Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Dragoncast, home of House of the Dragon. Gather your small council, send out your ravens and call in your bannermen. I'm Hand of the King Jamie East, here to guide you through the insane world of Westeros and beyond. Welcome, welcome. It's the Dragoncast Christmas Day episode. Uh, I'm Jamie East. Uh, And I'm Chris Mandel. I don't normally introduce myself. I know you don't. I just feel as though we've got to move on from, from, from me being daddy all the time. Hey, Jamie, don't mess with the thing if it's uh, not broken, okay? No, I, sp- I, sp- I suppose <laughs> not. And, oh my goodness, it's the Christmas Day episode. Wait, 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 wait. I think Jamie's going to get his Christmas hat. Oh no, I know what he's getting. Jamie's about to get his Christmas jumper. Here it is! Oh my god! Da 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 da! Oh, bit of a sexy striptease for YouTubers. <laughs> like and subscribe. Here we go. Like and subscribe. Oh. There we go. Oh my god, it's great. That was a long. That was a suspenseful pause. <laughs> I can't believe they didn't send one to you, Chris. I know. I mean, listen. HBO have been very Maybe there's just me. one per one per podcast. Maybe that's Maybe we're supposed we to swap. share it. That's fine. That's fine. You can have it for next year. That would be nice. Uh, it, how is it? Is it nice good quality? You know what it is a good quality one because normally novel, like mm. kind of promo Christmas jumpers not being disparaging to all of the other ones that I've had over the years. <laughs> yeah. Uh you wouldn't want to kind of like um you have to you have to wear kind of rubber shoes when you wear them. You know what I mean. You wouldn't want to yeah. be anywhere near, anywhere near any naked flames. This one, however, mm. it feels actual like doesn't feel like completely man-made. Although I'm sure it's made out of recycled fucking tires or something. Yeah. How many children in flea bottom died stitching that jumper? Precisely. Precisely. <laughs> it looks. I mean, uh, it's also very got, hard to tell, but it looks very good stitching. I thank you. Yeah, and also got sent. Uh, finally, got the Blu-ray of House of the Dragon. 
Very all good. episodes on Any there. Also, there's a lot, good extras? lot of extras on there as well. Okay. Over one hour of bonus content, including two exclusive featurettes. Um, Return to the Seven Kingdoms reflects on the legacy of Game of Thrones and its connection to Heather the Dragon. Blah 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 blah. Uh, welcome to Westeros with Ryan Condal, Miguel uh, Sapochnik, and George R. R. Martin. Um, I'm got a Blu-ray player. This is uh, the thing, isn't it? Is, yeah. Although I, you know what, I've got a PS5, so I can watch it on the oh, PS5. Oh, you'll be fine. So listen, what I'm going to do, I'm going to I'm going to open the cellophane and I'm going to watch the extras, but then I'm going to give it away to a to a Ooh. to a listener. So Lovely. if you're listening, um, Chris, can you think of a question that someone could answer maybe and leave in leave in either Twitter or YouTube comments? Uh, yes, I've got House of the Dragon related. Yeah, go on then. Oh, I was going to do a Game of Thrones related one. Okay. Oh, okay, Game of Thrones then. Game Considering of Thrones, the, the question rewatch. is, what is the name of Davos's son? who is in this episode that we're about to discuss today. Fuck. I'd written in my notes. Who was that guy? <laughs> I'm trying I actually, I can't even remember his name off the top of my head. It's a funny, it's one of those classic Game of Thrones, like slightly funny uh, names. Yeah. So if, if you can, if you can get that, if you know it, uh, write it down yeah. on a, uh, well, you could just email it, but if you want to send it on a stamped address envelope, yeah. <laughs> like the blue Peter I mean, days, please do. Yeah. I mean, don't, don't rush. It's Christmas day, you know, that's There's, right. Yeah. Chances are, chances are, quite a few of you might have received this anyway from Santa. This is um, true. I've got a question for you, and this is not a bit. This is not like a bit, is it? About the fact you got the DVD. My question is, does it have audio commentary on it? Oh. Because when I used to have a DVD player back in the olden days, I and I'd watched episodes of like Futurama or like Scrubs or whatever. And I knew all the words. I would then listen to it yeah. with the audio commentary and just hear them just like vibing away. And that was my favourite thing to do with DVDs. It's just to like... No, it doesn't. I think I it's think weird, isn't it? it? Maybe. I don't think they do why it don't they do it? Is that because of streaming? Is that because uh, streaming yeah, just took and over? Yeah, also and, and it's just probably a bit like, I don't know, probably a bit of a pain to do, isn't it? Like if you're like Matt Smith having to sit through a whole episode and being like, here when I they're am, done, run, run, who running are the, on the beach. Who are the classic... There are some classic DVD commentaries, aren't there? Is it... Did, I think Shaun of the Dead's like a... Shaun of the Dead one is really good, yeah. Yeah. And there's some good ones with stuff like... I I think Kevin Smith's always game for one. Seth Rogen. Yeah. I think all of the... The usual kind of suspects. They're like um, uh, super bad sort of era, like, of films. You know, like the sort of Seth Rogen, Michael Cera, Mm. like any of those like goofy stonery films. They always have good commentaries. I might, th- I might be imagining that there's really good ones for the West Wing as well. Maybe I'm imagining that. I mean, um, I wouldn't David, be surprised. I, weird, know, like David Fincher, maybe, for Fight Club. Mm. Um, um, it used to be a I whole thing, they, but I think now, I just don't think you get it. I mean, I can, yeah. It's well, I'd, mad, I'd imagine mad. that... Well, I, I, it's, it's going to be economic, isn't it? It's going to be purely economic. Whereas, yeah. like, back in the day when, like, the fucking Matrix came out on DVD or whatever, and they would sell, they would make make as much, if not more, money from the DVD release yeah, 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 yeah. than they would the cinema release. It was true. all about, right, well, how can we encourage people to buy the Matrix rather than Fight Club? And, and one way of doing that was to have a really good kind of DVD commentary on it. Whereas now it's just kind of like, well, I, I'm guessing most people will own this yeah. maybe just as like as collectors items yeah, i think that's and, it you know a lot of um a lot of films like back in even you know the noughties they were at, they were made at a loss at the box office because they would recoup it and it's those right. sort of mid-tier comedies like you don't really get many films like Superbad, for example in the cinema now everything is either like ip like marvel yeah. star wars indiana jones 
or it's like super indie black and white about someone making a sandwich that's like starring Adam Driver. And okay. you don't get anything in the middle. That is all now basically television. It's all like... Yeah, like true. The sort yeah, of cool... Te- like something like Severance, which was one of my favourite things this year. That would have been a film 10 years ago or 20 years ago. It just and would. it would have sank. And, yeah, and yeah. yeah, but it would have been... You'd have it on DVD. So yeah, that's yeah. our little um, <laughs> State of the Union I've, I've, for Christmas Day. I've found, I've found a website called ratethatcommentary.com. It's saying uh, the top the top 100 commentary tracks on DVD. And I tell you what, this is a good example of why they were so good. Is because like in the top 10, I would say maybe one... Only one of them is probably considered to be like a classic film. Right. The rest are all kind of like fodder. So at 10 is like The Island, which is like a pretty shit Michael Bay film. Mm. I think it had Ewan McGregor and Naomi Watts, maybe, I think, in it. I might be imagining that. Then there was the... Actually, Michael Bay does really well. Then there's The Rock, which is, I guess, a bit of a classic Nicolas Cage, Ed Harris. Um, Perfect Storm. Great Mm. film. Um, Seabiscuit. I'd have to be. I'd have to be on a very long flight. To be, uh, to be <laughs> Even on a long DVD. flight, you can just fall asleep. You don't have to yeah. watch anything. Francis Ford Coppola doing The Godfather. That's now. That's a commentary. That, you'd probably, you'd probably pay attention to. That is a Christmas Again, Day evening yeah. treat for the family. The then you've got like Armageddon. Commentary. Yeah. Um, I mean, Michael Bay is actually owning this. What does he do in them? Um, Armageddon, Transformers, Ocean's Twelve. That, that, would 12, be a good one. that would be fun that would be yeah, good and then there's uh david fincher zodiac is in there as well okay anyway. do you know what i would love a, a director's commentary watch along of yeah <laughs> is love actually because first of all there's like 36 characters yes and well, hang on there's a there's a show coming out over christmas right a love actually show oh have you not seen you know they did like the friends reunion with, no, they've done a Love Actually reunion because it's something like 25, 30 years, maybe something like that. And there's like, it's American. It's done by like AMC or ABC yeah, yeah. or something like that. But it's got like Hugh Grant, Emma Thompson, you know, um, a, a kind of healthy portion of the principal cast together. Jojen's mm. there. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, your man Jojen Reed. Um, yeah. Tiny. Uh, he, was, he was like such a, a, little, a little child in that film, wasn't he? I know. Well, he's cursed with a baby face, isn't he? Yeah. I think he's about six. He's 65 now. Do you... <laughs> he's actually just retired. Came out of retirement to the reunion. Yeah. His Do knees you, have gone. I, I like that. I like Love, actually. I know it's a bit shit, but, like, it's... The shit is the point. The cheesy, schmaltzy shitness is the point. It's delightful. Well, that's what Richard Curtis does so well, isn't he? He mm. does so well, isn't it? He, he kind of has that... He knows how to turn the schmaltz up just like that. He's they very good at that. But also, also some real despair in there as well. Yeah. The Joni Mitchell, the Joni Mitchell, mm. Emma Thompson scene is pretty, pretty yeah. cutting. It's hard However, you know, like you want to hate Alan Rickman, but he's dead. But you're like, what a, what a bastard. <laughs> what a bastard indeed. Who would you, you know, Emma Thompson? Give her the necklace. I know, um, I know. But also, even, even if your marriage was on its last legs like that one clearly was, I still wouldn't dare just buy my wife a Joni Mitchell CD. <laughs> also, like, she's like, yeah. I already love Joni yeah. Mitchell, and he gets her like the best of Joni Mitchell. Like, yeah. mate, it's she's a... fucking heard it. Like, at least get yeah, her like got a it, concert mate. DVD yeah. with live commentary. Yeah, Japanese import have. from Record but Store Day it, or something. That yeah. film wouldn't work in 2022 though, because he would just order something online, get it delivered to the office. Jobs are good. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, 
it's also, I mean, a lot of Richard Curtis films are very problematic nowadays. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. The whole the, kit, there's a lot the, of fat phobic stuff in there. Fat phobic. It's just all pretty much all white. There's, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of tokenism going on there. Yeah. That's the, the, I mean, the, the whole Kira Knightley storyline in that is pretty grim. Oh my God. It's so pretty bad. Grim. The fact she actually goes out. And, also, there was a, the storyline that was scrapped from the film. Um, what was that? What was it like? Head a, teacher, a bukkake of the, kind of thing. <laughs> the head teacher of the school where they do the nativity uh, yeah. is like a lesbian and is dying. <laughs> and apparently, it's like an urban legend that they just they were like, it's too depressing, so they cut it out. Um, but I mean, I think, that, again, her, her that, like that, would, he, would he have like got in, bingo? Would he have got kind of Richard Curtis bingo if it included yeah, that in? It sort of needs like an it's a sin, like someone dying of like HIV or something to just really round it off it does Ooh, it does my... it does like a bit of tokenism what was it notting hill where um oh, well what's the face played um someone in a wheelchair so anyway what the hell are we talking about 12 minutes in uh welcome yeah welcome uh to dragon cast it is the final watch along of season two uh and it's the big one it is season two episode nine blackwater um Wow. Uh, before we get into it, quick reminder from our sister podcast previously on, on the goings on, who did what, who shot what, shot? No, there's no guns, who, who killed everyone. Have a listen to this back in a minute. Stannis's fleet edges ever closer to King's Landing. Davos and his son Mathos discuss the difficult forthcoming battle. The city walls have never before been breached. Mathos has faith that Stannis will sit upon the Iron Throne by sunrise. Within the walls of the city, Cersei drinks wine in her quarters. Pycelle visits her and gives her a vial containing essence of nightshade, a poison to be used as a last resort should Stannis win the battle and capture them. Bronn drinks with the Lannister soldiers. The mood is good despite the imminent battle, but doesn't get on so well with the Hound. Just as bloodshed seems inevitable, the city bells announce the arrival of Stannis. From the castle walls, Joffrey demands to know why his fleet are not in the water as Stannis's own fleet nears. Tyrion, however, has clearly been very busy making other plans. His investigations from the last episode have bore fruit, and a single vessel from the Lannister fleet loaded with wildfire sails right into the heart of Stannis's ships. A highly flammable, highly volatile green liquid, wildfire is a prime weapon of war with its innate power to cause very big explosions. Tyrion signals for Bronn to fire a flaming arrow from the beach directly to the trailed wildfire. The green fire tears through Stannis' fleet, destroying Davos's ship and killing his son instantly, with scorched, burning men screaming as their lives go up in wildfire smoke. The sounds of the dying in the water carry across the battlements, where Tyrion and the Hound appear shocked and Joffrey grins. Aboard his own ship, Stannis prepares his remaining army to land in rowboats and take King's Landing. In the relative safety of the Holdfast, Cersei, Sansa, Shay, and the ladies of the court await the outcome of the battle outside. Cersei drinks wine and torments Sansa, at times terrifying her with details of what will happen to the women if Stannis takes King's Landing. The executioner, Cyrilyn Payne, stands guard should the worst have to happen. Stannis's rowboat shore at King's Landing. The Hound leads a group of soldiers, including Lancel Lannister, to meet them head on. Lancel is struck in the arm by an arrow and retreats from the battlefield. Back in the Holdfast, Cersei begins to question Shay about her past, but is interrupted when Lancel bursts in. 
he tells Cersei that Stannis is at the city walls. Cersei commands him to remove Joffrey from the battle immediately. On the battlefield, the Hound is momentarily stopped in his tracks when a burning enemy soldier runs screaming at him. Just as the Hound looks doomed to die, the enemy is killed by Bronze Arrow. The Hound retreats from battle, only for Joffrey to command him to return. The Hound pours scorn upon Joffrey and leaves anyway. Lancel arrives under Cersei's order to remove Joffrey from the fight. Joffrey offers no resistance to the idea and beats a hasty retreat. His cowardly departure disheartens the men on the front line, but Tyrion rouses them with a bold speech. Back at the Holdfast, Lancel warns Cersei that the battle is lost if Joffrey doesn't return to fight. Cersei refuses to allow it and storms out. Shay tells Sansa to lock herself in her quarters and await Stannis. Upon entering her room, she's met by the Hound, who offers to keep her safe and take her north to Winterfell. Sansa declines. As the battle rages on, Tyrion leads the troops through the tunnels beneath King's Landing and surprises Stannis' soldiers with an attack from the rear, during which Tyrion is betrayed by Sir Mandon, who brings his blade down across Tyrion's face. Mandon is speared through the eye and killed by Podrick Payne, Tyrion's squire. In the throne room, Cersei is seated upon the Iron Throne with her son, Tommen, telling him a story as she prepares the nightshade. In the nick of time, Tywin Lannister and his new allies from House Tyrell arrive and defeat Stannis' army. Stannis is dragged from the battle by his men, screaming at them to stand and fight. And in the throne room, Cersei is stopped from giving the poison to Tommen at the last moment as the warrior in Renly's armour enters and reveals himself as Sir Loras Tyrell. Tywin Lannister marches into the throne room and announces the battle is over and that Lannisters have won. Am I right in thinking, uh, Chris Mandel, mm-hmm. this was the first set-piece Game of Thrones episode? This yeah. was like the big first like event episode, right? Before then, it had just been turning and throwing, and yeah. this was the first one to set the stall for what we now... What was almost like a Game of Thrones tradition with Hard Home, with Battle of the Bastards, with The Long Nights, with all of those yeah, ones that, yeah. that followed. Pretty much every season has a set-piece around this time so the next season is the red wedding which is kind of different because most of the episodes not about the wedding season four mm. you have the wildlings invading the wall season five mm. you have hard home season six you have battle of the Your bastards favorite. Yep. season seven you have the one where they go and try and catch a white and the dragon gets killed and then season oh, eight that's a good ends. that's a good one so there's a sort of precedent and you know, the sort of the, the the abridged version is that season one they couldn't really show any battles because they didn't have the money. Um, they barely had the money in this one. Let's be frank. Yeah, and it's, it's slimmed down considerably, but uh, it's fucking epic all the same. I mean, there is it's yeah. cleverly done, but uh, I've we've talked about this episode on the podcast before. I absolutely love it. I think it's one of my favourites. I think it does. Why? Bet. Why? What? What? What do you like? What? Okay. What? What do you like about it so much? So what? I what I t- I tell you what I I tell you what I don't like about other ones. Okay. So the wildlings attacking the wall. You know you've got guy, good guys, bad guys, right? I mean it's complicated because why they want to cross south is is quite understandable. But the wildlings aren't going to kill all the all the Night's Watch and take over. You just know that, mm-hmm. right? Battle of the Bastards, yeah. again, like, they set up for Ramsay to get his just desserts, right? The whole story's sort of predicated on, we've got to get rid of Ramsay, otherwise we're all fucked and there's, the, the show's not going to end. The yeah. reason I like Blackwater is, 
um, at this point in the show, we're like we're we're all Team Stark, right? They're the guys we want to win, and neither yeah. of them are in this battle. You've got the Lannisters and you've got Stannis, and mm-hmm. either of them winning is bad for the Starks. Either of them losing is bad for the Starks. And so, what yeah. I like about this is that you're sort of watching and you're kind of going, "Well, is it is it good that Stannis is doing well? Is it?" bad that Tyrion might get killed like how do I feel about Cersei being okay facing up to her sort of impending death it's just morally complicated and I think that's what I really like about it and it it just the when I was watching it the first time I remember it so well I didn't know who I was supposed to root for and I think that makes it really exciting compared to some of the later um sort of fights and battles that's a good point because I think naturally you are drawn to the goodies you know Mm. and and i guess not having that allegiance allows you just to kind of watch it as a spectacle rather than possibly not as invested in in who wins does that make sense so you so you can pay attention to to the kind of i think it's to the just cool to just be like i don't know what the show who the show wants me to root for because by this point in the show like Tyrion is great right we love Tyrion. yeah we do we love Tyrion. he's part we like sansa yeah love sansa um we hate joffrey we hate cersei but then Mm -hmm. stannis is gonna is not not likable either and so it's It's not but then also he's but but he's also the rightful heir to the throne yeah It's so violent and there's so many people die and you keep mm. thinking like this is barbaric like and and it doesn't it's just kind of funny to me that like neither of them no one comes out of this in the very very end of the show like yeah it's quite insignificant in the grand scheme of things so yeah, i just yeah. love it yeah. i think it's i think it looks great i think the set piece with the wildfire is just amazing it's savage oh so 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 good it's the thinking man's crumpet episode isn't it yes the other one more thing which we'll get into in a sec i suppose is there's tons of people involved so you've got like sansa you've got the hound you've got stannis everyone everyone and later on like when john is like fighting the wildlings it's just a bit like oh you've got like john and like gren and pip and bob and i don't know who all these people i don't care about any of them like they're just all of the random guys up yeah. there no one in in westeros knows that that fight's happening no one's else care it, do you know what i mean it just feels yeah, yeah, hard yeah. to sort of latch onto it so yeah where do you want to start what should we where should uh, we go? well i guess we go chronologically really i mean first of all i wonder what the shoot was like because this must have been yeah it was all at night it must have been pretty arduous although I'm guessing kind of because we hadn't reached kind of serious Game of Thrones budgets. Like, for instance, Tyrion all the way through the episode does little except stare past a camera on a turret. That's like his main yeah. Yeah. his main job is to kind of like look frightened. Remind me of the of the um, of the kind of plot or the or the kind of motivation between joffrey and 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 Tyrion then because that was the only thing that i was slightly confused about so i did i you know i really enjoyed um what's joffrey actor called again um jack gleason jack gleason great he he played joffrey's cowardice so well in in this episode in particular but but throughout that you know there's i loved the scene where um 
Was it Loris who came back? No, not Loris. It was Loris who went yes. back for him to tell him his mum wanted him. And yes. there was just like, oh, how much does she want me? Does she really, you know, that kind of, it was, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. such, so, so, so well it's, done. Oh, it's but, quite comic. And I think like, yeah. what, I mean, I think that comes out in the show far more than it is in the book, right? And I, I, I found there were moments of like, yeah, black comedy. And I loved that particularly. Joffrey is such a man child. Um, yeah. And he's quite tethered to his mum in a weird way. And he's trying to be the big man, isn't he? He's like, well, is it important? Does, is it urgent? And it's like, you know, being invaded. Like, of course. It's oh, he's the classic. Is the, he's the classic guy in a pub fight. Someone hold me back. Someone hold me back. It's that guy. I could have had him. I could have had him. Kind of looked through where I was a bit kind of like confused. Is it why is Tyrion leading the army? Had he just assumed that responsibility? So, I I think, I can't remember because I haven't seen any since Ghost of Harrenhal, I think because Tyrion is sort of the only voice of reason in this sort of, like, uh, council that they've got, Joffrey yeah. sort of makes him lead the charge. And it's kind of similar to last season. Tyrion's, like, brought his men down to um, his father's camp and his dad's like, oh, you're in the first wave. And I think... My take was that Joffrey's kind of like, if it goes badly, at least he'll get killed. Like, he almost yeah, wants yeah, his yeah. uncle out of the way. It's like a win-win. Like, right. if you do well, good for me. If you do badly, like, I don't have to fucking think about you. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously, like, we do have that um, moment at the end of the episode where it's sort of implied that, like, well, we know that, like, Tywin sort of tries to have him killed, essentially, that he gets knocked out and that's yeah so my recollection and it is a little hazy is that he's kind of forced into it and i think it's a, a sort of ritualistic humiliation from his family's part right which Fine. is you know he's not he's not a, 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 a warrior well i mean you could probably make the case that he's quite good actually but he's a, str- a strategy guy you know so that was the yeah. sort of reading i got from it and if, if you had to pick a hero of the episode or the, i guess Ooh, that's a good question. so or a hero of, for me, it was the Hounds episode. Like in mm. hindsight, going back and watching this, mm. I, I felt like I, the Hound had such a fucking great episode in this one because you learnt more about him than anyone else, I think. It's a really good, I think it's a really good season for him, but we've not seen him a lot in our episodes. But yeah, it, you, get, you get to see him quite scared. And I think that's really... It's a little mm. bit of a trope, isn't it? Of like the big brute actually is frightened, but it's quite it's quite traumatizing. You know, it's quite traumatizing to see him if if he's freaking out. Like, yeah, then we're all fucked, frankly. Um, and I think and something, this, yeah, the, the scale sorry, of it is is really well communicated. And something else that I'd written down, I'd just written the words "blind faith" down because it occurred to me watching this that so much about the main characters throughout the whole of the series of Game of Thrones is based on nothing more than just sheer and utter blind faith. Mm. It's just, it's, you've got Melisandre, you've got Stannis, you've got Jon, you've yeah. got Danny, you've got Joffrey even. All of them at some point are just going off the basis of blind, complete and utter blind faith in what their belief system is and yeah. nothing else. It's yeah. nuts. It's crazy. It's, it's, yeah, and it's, it's sort of taking that point. Is It's very, like, the ones with the most convictions sort of seem to do quite well. Mm. Um, everyone thinks they're doing the right thing. Or, or the people that are, you know, invo- involved, even sort of Theon, who's not in this episode, but, like, that attack he does on Winterfell, like, he's 
doing that in yeah. sort of in good faith, weirdly. Like he thinks that that's the right thing to do. He does a really shit job, which is sort of illustrative of like what happens when you don't maybe have enough blind faith. Like maybe when you're a yeah. little, you falter a little bit. But yeah, Stannis believes it's his right. And that is, I think we talked a lot in House of the Dragon, particularly at the end when um, Aegon is crowned about that, that, that sort of spectacle. And I think Pete, Stannis yeah. charging into battle, Stannis like, you know, the, the, the huge explosion and then sort of continuing to, to break rank and try and, and get in. And you know, he very nearly succeeds if it's not for the Tyrell Lannister alliance at the very end of the episode mm. um, coming sort of in. But like he nearly does it because I think he's quite inspiring. I think people see him on the battlefield and they're like, this is amazing. Like, like he's still fighting, even though his fleet blew up with bright green fire. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's it's uh, definitely something that runs through the show, I think, in other episodes as well. And something else that ran through the show quite a few times was the Reigns of Castamere. We heard, I think we heard it yeah. at least three times, I think, uh, five, in the end credits. Was that Jarvis, was that Jarvis Cocker singing it? I think it I was, think it was it? yeah. They did have a really fun um, period where they were getting people to... Didn't Florence and the Machine do a song for them? And like Yes. Um, there was someone else. Well, Will, Will Champion is in the band of Reigns in the Red Wedding, the drummer of Coldplay. That's right, yeah. And then who can Never. forget the iconic Ed Sheeran appearance in season seven? <laughs> Aged like milk, didn't it? Whilst you reminisce about that wonderful Ed Sheeran cameo, here's a little word from our sponsors. See you in a sec. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.
lots of kind of details that I really enjoyed from that. I loved that. I thought Bron had a really good one as well. It'll be halfway up your ass before the night's through. It was a uh, classic, classic Bron line. And I've written, who had the dagger? Was there someone at one point? I think it was the Hound. The Hound, someone at one is it the time. Ca- is, oh, the cat's paw dagger. The, the, yeah. The, oh, the, interesting. Someone I didn't reached, spot that. There was a scene... I think it was a scene, must have been with the Hound. Yes, it was Bron. Did Bron have the cat's paw dagger? I just thought it was a generic dagger. I didn't think it was the... Because I'm sure Littlefinger must have that by now, I think. Doesn't he have it? Well, he had it. I don't know if he still has it. Doesn't he get it? Where does it go? Hang on, where does it go? Where does that dagger go? Arya... Arya hasn't got it. Hasn't got it. But she gets it. She uses it in the Night King. Hang on. She this would be good. Night this King. would be some good homework for people. Slash yeah. me. Tracing, <laughs> yeah. tracing the journey. Yeah, we need, a, we need a cat's paw dagger timeline right from <laughs> House of Dragon season one. We need a correspondent. Um, so but, but that, um, I thought that was just, you know, most people would have a dagger on their hip for... You know, right. Okay, fine. Closer, let, I'll let him off. Know, I'll let him off. Yeah, whatever. Um, but I loved, I tell you what I'd love to talk about is the um, scenes, Cersei, Sansa, um, Tom and like Shay, like they're all in the, the tower. The, in the panic room. Yeah. That is, Cersei's getting absolutely shit faced. And yeah. classic Prosecco o'clock. It's, yeah. can't tell you like, on here love dm me can't tell you here the snakes around classic yeah. so and it's yeah. just there's so much tension because shay is sansa's like um i, I got the i got this term wrong last handmaiden episode. handmaiden it just sounds a little bit lady in waiting lady in Something waiting like yeah like yeah. i said I, I said assistant last week <laughs> secretary yeah um so i she she's there and then Cersei almost thinks oh you're actually Tyrion's mistress right because in a I think she she starts to put two and two together very quickly where it was about was it about the curtsying was that was that yeah. where she kind of like sussed out it's like oh and how have in, you got in, to be episode, from there to here in 3 years without without being able to curtsy that was the, that was it wasn't and it's it? very similar to Arya and Tywin in the Ghost of Harrenhal episode where not the Ghost mm. of Harrenhal episode where he's like prodding her like who are you and she's trying to like come up with a story on the fly and it's just not working like these yeah, guys yeah, yeah. know their shit like the Lannisters but um yeah. in an episode that I think is between the last one and this one um we found out that like Cersei thought she knew who Tyrion's lover was and I think she thinks it's um Roz and Tyrion lies and says yes it's her yeah and she gets like the shit kicked out of her that's and right. it's just yeah, like yeah. so grim. But so you get that sacrifice. And then in this episode, you think Shay's going to get sussed out anyway. And it's, it's really tense. But Sansa kind of has this amazing moment where she realises Sir Illyn. Uh, that's the character's name? Who yeah, Sir Illyn Payne. Who executed Ned. He's yeah. there in the room with them. And I, I think I think for a while, it's like this guy's killing the sort of slumber party vibe slightly. And then Santa realizes, yeah. like, oh, I think I think he's there to like kill us if Stannis yeah, breaks so, into so the castle. Yeah, so that we don't talk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, he, uh, Cersei said that he was there to protect them, whereas actually he was just there to kind of like take them out and then then do himself in. 
presumably. And you do think like that there's a there's definitely a, a world in which you think that's gonna happen. I think that's what's so clever. But all of those scenes, Sansa trying to get everyone to sing a little song and Cersei being like fuck off. And praying <laughs> and kind of like yeah, exactly. Doing a hobby craft kind of group in the corner yeah. while Cersei's just like, you know, three shoots to the wind, wanted Sansa's to Sansa's like, let's do son. some dream yeah. journaling and everyone's like, I'm just trying to manifest <laughs> not being killed. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Sansa's got so you know she's been really fucked around this season and she's still she has yeah she's still kind of like no I can like be a bit of a beacon of hope for people and you know I don't think she, personally she's like, like Sophie she's Turner's, like Megan she's like yeah, Megan people's princess mark yeah. two <laughs> I'm not getting um, into Megan and Harry discourse on this podcast <laughs> and there is nothing I want to watch less than that fucking documentary <laughs> Boring. But I would I say to, also I want like to read about to... and argue with my brother. I look at my mum, you know, fucking hell, got nothing. Yeah. Just um, nuts. I... But no, I don't think Sophie Turner's like the most gifted actor on this show. Uh, but I think she does a great job. There's a lot to do in this, and I think she's sort of able to sort of really like handle that feeling that like Sansa's not been broken and that she's quite a quite a powerful presence in that room. No, yeah. Whereas Cersei, born into that life and and sort of she doesn't have to impress anyone, she's the fucking queen. She's yeah. just like falls to pieces in the same way that Joffrey, you know, goes like, to bits, goes to shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets kind of dragged out of the room and has to go onto the battlefield, and it's just all a bit like it's privilege, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's it's, it's completely born out of privilege. Uh, I think I would Sophie Turner, uh, a wonderful lady. Um, she's the only member of Game of Thrones cast that remembered me where I was doing when oh. I hosted the host the red carpet on. Um, what season would that have been? Season six, maybe? Season five, perhaps? Um, Tower, of, Tower of London. They hired out the whole of Tower of London. All oh, the yeah. cast were there yeah, going yeah. past. I and they were very pleasant. I was, I was at that one. Ah, yeah. We talked about that. Uh, I think we probably did talk at that, didn't we? Yeah, yeah because the, I um, remember you, you left that party with the screeners for the first four episodes and you were like, I'm off to go and watch these. And I was oh, like, I did, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. I like, How did you get those? <laughs> um... But yeah, she uh, all of the rest of them were very pleasant to me and recognised me and had a chat to me and stuff. Sophie Turner came running over. She was like, hi, Jamie East. Oh. I was like, ah, Sansa's my favourite now. Okay, I feel bad saying she can't act. Um, Sophie, if you're listening, I meant it about a different Sophie She won't Sophie be listening. <laughs> she won't be listening. She had babies with the Jonas brothers, for goodness sake. Jonas, uh, jo- the Jonas sons. Jonas, Jonas sons. Yeah. Jonas stepbrothers. Yeah. I don't know what they're called. Um, but they should all form um, a Jonas brothers band with... Because they've all got kids now, I think. A new, a new yeah. era of the Jonas Brothers. Sons of Jonas. Am I getting confused? The tunnels in King's Landing, there was reference to the Targaryens built the tunnels. Are these the tunnels that we saw um, uh, Rhaenyra, Rhaenyra escaping from to go yeah. to uh, have sexy times with Uncle Uncle Damon. Most likely, yeah, most likely. I'm trying to. I, I was that. trying when I was watching it to figure out if Rhaenyra's bedroom is in the show as someone else's bedroom because it must uh, be. But I think I think I think that is sort of uh, taking it a little bit too seriously. No. Not seriously, but like, no, it's not. Hey, this is Dragon Cast, but, Chris. But, like I don't think the they number one. Because I don't think that literal set on House of the Dragon was on Game of Thrones, if that makes sense. So I'm like, 
I don't think the rooms correlate to the rooms on Game of Thrones. Having said that... Oh, we can dream. We can but dream. I know. I, do you know, I'd actually love to... I'd actually, first of all, would love to just go around that set because I'm really fascinated oh. by it because it is apparently like a to-scale fucking castle. Yeah, well, I went, I went to King's Landing in Belfast uh, a couple of times and that was the same. They had... It wasn't just like a crossroads set. It was, it was, it was an actual... Mm. building and you know normally like they create sets that just kind of just one wall so that you film against that wall and behind it is nothing with with king's landing and what they've done in in house of the dragon 2 it's an actual building so you can they can decide to shoot or let's go into this stairwell here and shoot there Mm. and you just bit up a bit go into the bedroom and you can actually walk around and and kind of map it out so it's and there was down to the level of detail right in the um even the nails in the wood in um, in King's Landing that I saw had the sigil, had the uh, Lannister uh, sigil. Oh my god! Someone's gone round etching the little lion into all the nails. Oh, amazing! 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 But to to um, answer your question about the tunnels, though, in season one, again, we sort of missed these out. But Arya, the reason she sort of gets lost and ends up living in the streets around the time Ned gets executed is she goes down into the tunnels when she's chasing pigeons for her sword lesson you know her, her sword master was uh, that, with um, with thingamajig yeah. Um, yeah and she overhears i think it's varus and um varus and littlefinger or she hears some people talking about ned she runs away she gets lost and she, when she sort of follows the tunnel she comes out in like the middle of flea bottom and she ends up kind of just being lost and that's why yeah. when we see her in baylor she's wandering around sort of cracking the necks of pigeons and trying to sort of like piece a meal together so those those are the same sort of tunnel system and actually i think in the final season jamie uses that to get into the castle to meet cersei before the castle collapses so it's kind of it's kind of all there um love that in a a manner of speaking Um, lovely stuff the Hound was but, great. We talked about him already. Um, yeah, I love that. But I'd, I'd forgotten that he had a complete collapse and just kind of gave up the battle and just went back to drink wine. One thing we should mention about this episode is this is uh, written by George R. R. Martin himself. Was it? Oh. Mm. He used to write one episode a season and when stopped did he, to he stopped finish because he was so busy. Winter. Which is still clearly never going to finish. It's never going to finish it. But did you, we, have we talked about this, that he said in an interview like a month ago that like when House of the Dragon was coming out, his publishers were like, you need to work on the material around that book and you need to stop writing Winds of Winter. So he was actively told to stop writing it. Oh my God. That's a bit fucking annoying. That must be very annoying for people like that are waiting for that book because Jon Snow's still I know, dead at the end I, of that. Yeah, Danny's just been captured by the the um, Dothraki again. You know, we all know how that God. plays out. But yeah. um, so yeah. let's talk about. Um, We're not really talked about the battle. Of, <laughs> it's kind of hard because it's sort of there's a lot of. I do think this episode is brilliantly like choreographed, but like a lot of the battle is kind of hard to follow. You get the well, most from the reactions from people don't you yeah it's i mean most of the battle is just 20 20 extras standing under a boat 
that that moment was a great cinematic moment. The the, the realization that Bron had snuck off on his own and and been tasked, and that that Tyrion had this amazing plan all thought out. The reveal was really well executed. I thought it was really well done. Yeah, it, um, my my understanding as well it was you know no one expected wildfire. Nobody sort of. Stannis, Davos, they don't, they don't, they can't comprehend that they would have had this. So it's an amazing moment when they, they sort of realise that they're playing a completely different game to the Lannisters. They're literally, they've got, it's a, like a nuclear power. It's the closest thing to having like dragons, right? This, this yeah. propulsive fuel, this like, it's sort of slightly magical. I don't, I don't, we talked about this in the last episode. I don't quite understand what wildfire is, but it seems like, you know, just potent as fuck. But what was interesting was it not? It was in. It was invented by the Targaryens. Yeah. After the dragons, after the last dragon had died, right? Yeah. Didn't the guy in the last episode, the the maester, say it's fire made made given form or something? It's almost like not petrified, but like they've sort of like harn like so harnessed it according to. According to uh, Westeros.org, uh, obviously a great um, source of font of all knowledge, it's a volatile, flammable liquid which can burn for a long time. It's created by the Alchemists Guild, who refer to it as the substance and keep this recipe a closely guarded secret. Uh, it's said to be a close cousin to dragon flame. Um, right. Making wildfire is a lengthy and, and dangerous process. Uh, who claim and it involves magic uh, the spells used for making wildfire are not as effective as they once were due to the extinction of dragons uh, let me just see if, it, if we can find um that's a god oh, that's a good i mean god they really he really did build a great backstory didn't he oh, yeah what else does it say so in 174 ac aegon the fourth targaryen is that that's Aegon that we know. No, Aegon the uh, in house the in house the dragon uh, tried no, to conquer Dawn. No, we're on we, Aegon no, the sixth, are we? We're on Aegon the second and the third. So the one and the third. Oh, okay, is fine. The the is, yeah. Right, got you. Okay, um, can you just lean a bit closer to your mic, mate? Sorry. Yeah. Um, Aegon the Fourth tried to conquer Dawn using seven wooden dragons fitted with pumps that shot jets of wildfire. It was a complete <laughs> failure as the dragons were made out of wood and went up in flames. <laughs> I want to see that kind of like Frank Frank Spencer esque kind of yeah. attempt on Dawn. We're just like, oh shit! I made them out of wood. Damn. A little vacuum nozzle for the sp- you know the spout that the fire comes. A very sort of DIY. Uh, in 223, Prince Arian Targaryen drank wildfire, believing it would transform him into a dragon. Um, uh, I don't think it did. Don't think it did. That sounds like an absolute error on his part. <laughs> yeah, don't drink wildfire. I, yeah, for I, I thought sake. it was a really good. And also, like, I think the clever thing with the wildfire in this episode was that, like, I thought they'd be, like, flinging it left, right, and center, but it's all used in that one ship right they sort of yeah the strategy of kind of like of of it kind of like sneaking into the middle of of the fleet and just tearing through it was was just i think i think that is why when cersei blows up the sept 
with Wildfire in season six, I felt a little bit cheated because I've seen that used. Like it was used Ooh. so well in this episode where we didn't really know what it was, but it made sense that there'd be some of it. They get loads of it made. And then in season six, when Cersei oh. does it, it's, it sort of comes out of nowhere that it's like, oh yeah, I just made loads more. And it's, I've, pla- yeah, and I've I planned kind it of, all. Like, I, yeah, but do you not think that knowing how volatile it is, that it was quite good to kind of like, oh my God, that's all underneath there. They've got no fucking chance. I quite enjoyed that. Yeah. Also, just thinking about it now, I mean, that is the sept that um, is that that would be the same building. Obviously, it looks very different, but it would be the same building that um, Aegon had his coronation in, and you know, they had the, the beast beneath the boards, right? Which was when the oh, dragon yeah. burst out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cersei doing and it. That's is where the wildfire like, were. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like the next generation, like like. A false the beast beneath the boards. Yeah, yeah. Just, that just came oh. to me. Have we discovered that? I think we'll claim that as our own, right? Yeah, uh, parallels. And I think Cersei, like we know, she's sort of fascinated by the Targaryens, and as that's the women Targaryens, you know, at a certain point in the show, they are able to wield quite a lot of power. They can ride dragons. They're they're not equals to the men, but there's a sort of different vibe. I always got the impression in the show and the books that she sort of really admired that culture. Which might be why yeah. she's so into fucking her brother, um, and there's an element of that. So Maybe brother's just really hot. Yeah, do you know Nikolai Kostowaldi, very handsome man. More handsome in real life, I think. But as in, I think as with most, they everyone looked a bit better in later seasons. Everyone grew yeah. like Jon Snow, like Kit, kind of like got more handsome. Um, Jamie did as well. Jamie even got you, a good haircut. Even Ren, Jamie got a very good haircut. Renly, mm. no, no, uh, Gendry, you know, even Theon, you know, everyone, everyone glowed up a little bit. But oh my gosh, the, whatever yeah. a reverse of glow up is. Uh, and Sansa got dark hair. Remember when Sansa dyed her hair later on? Did the that was like a whole storyline, wasn't it? Like brunette. Oh. I, I thought she didn't look different enough to, for it to be so... I'd be like, do a new, get some tongs in there. Give yourself some ringlets. You know, if you're going to do like Her wardrobe was amazing though. Didn't she, didn't she yeah. like, at some point, like have amazing like black feathered dress or something at some point? I yeah, think. she always looked like a right. sort of like sexy crow. <laughs> yeah. She always has like, yeah, like, she started wearing like really weird jewellery and stuff. I thought actually that was that was really cool when she... Yeah. yeah, and I'm looking forward to getting to some parts of that. I mean, I think, you know, there's been a lot of development for a lot of characters this season, but Sansa, it's sort of quite slow. There's a lot of good stuff to come. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, 100%. This is one of those seasons, I'd say the same for Bran, like, you know, we haven't seen a lot of him actually in our rewatch, but like, doesn't really get a lot to do um, until he goes yeah, full I think robot also, mode. Th- well, with, with Sansa... She really has to, I mean, she just really just get put through the ringer for the first kind of three or four seasons, doesn't she? Mm. Five. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a lot of grimness to come, haven't we? I really Um, hope we don't have to watch that episode in season five. Yeah. Can we not? Considering. I don't really want to have to sort of talk about it. Yeah. Maybe we just, maybe we pull rank on that one. That's it. That's with season two is done. 
I enjoyed that. Uh, episode 10 was, um, I did carry on watching that actually, just because I couldn't remember how it ended. Weird ending to season two. Very weird ending. Didn't really what have happens? What much broad strokes. It's well, again, Mandela effect, which I'll, which I'll talk about in a minute. In my mind, it was where, um, Sam killed the white Walker. Um, but oh, actually, okay. Yeah. All, but actually all that happened was Sam was in the snow. He got separated from the couple of Everyone. nights that he was with. And there was the procession of white, of the, and white, white walkers, walkers yeah. just yeah. kind of went past him and kind of looked a bit terrifying. But as, as, as cliffhangers go, didn't really feel that special. It's quite a, it yes, I remember that now because then in season three, the fist of the first men, which is where they're staying, gets attacked, yeah. and like loads of them get. But I don't think we do. We see it. I don't think we see it. I don't think we see which the White the one, Walkers. No, it's hard home. It's hard home, isn't it? Where John has that fight with this. Where the yeah, the White I don't Walkers think weirdly does not it? Yeah, it's it's a very weird way to end it because my my reading of it was that they knew Sam was there and they just walked past him. Yeah, the White Walker looked at him and just went and just like went past my friend so Ross weird. Mullen because uh, I, I think like it's safe to say at this point they were like we need to keep White Walkers in but we don't know what they're doing yeah there's right? something happening well because otherwise without that without that without that element in there um obviously they need to keep that like sense of dread bubbling around but also mm. without that there's no point in the, like the wildlings migrating south doesn't make any sense you know so which in, which then means that the fight between the the, the knights of the white watch and the, and the knights and the, uh, for the mm. wall in season three doesn't make any sense either it's yeah so it, it does it does lend a bit of motivation to a lot of things doesn't it yeah so we've um, got um season three we're going to be starting that in the new year yes right uh we're going to um, um we're going to uh do a um different way of voting this time mm. so that every episode gets a gets a fair shout not that i haven't enjoyed the ones that we've been doing i think we've 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 been really lucky but i think as we as time goes on we've realized that actually we're just separating out into chapters and that's not very fair really so there'll be a, there'll be a long old twitter thread 10 tweets in it like the three that you want us to watch maybe i should put a synopsis in in those in that tweet as well so that you know which episode it is even you, you can even just link to the episode. On Almost like video. friends, like a friend. The one, the one where you know, the one where yeah. Chandler uh, kills the, one where the, ugly, <laughs> the ugly naked guy. Yeah, the ugly naked guy uh, shoots an arrow through Egret. Yeah, the one where Ross sleeps with his sister. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I that, think actually, you could link to not, the. Did that actually happen? Yeah, I no. linked to the Wikipedia page of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because some episodes, it's like, it's not an episode about any one thing, but lots of cool stuff happens. Um, yeah. I think season three, we'll talk about this when we get into it. I think it is probably, probably the best season the for me, season. actually. The best season? Okay. I think is it not, which is the one where there's just a lot of, a lot of dawn? Five. Which is that one? That's five. Five. That's five a is one. a season of high highs and low, low lows because it was starting yeah. to fall apart. I think three, you know, and it would be interesting because, you know, I've rewatched it a couple of times, right? But like the signs of a red wedding are all there when you watch it back. Yes. Kind of. Not, okay, not well, exactly. I'm looking forward to that like, then because I, I, didn't, I didn't pick up on any of the signs. I was just, I was proper YouTube no. reaction video the screaming. Red 
Red Wedding is a really interesting episode because it's a bit like when we talked about Baylor. The wedding happens yeah. kind of in a vacuum and the rest of the episode is like, mm-hmm. oh, like Bran sits in a castle and talks about wolves. You know, it's it's quite like, it's good, yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. quite weird. Um, so okay. I, I can't remember. I mean, yeah, there's some that I'd really like to us to cover. Um, I don't want to like say which ones well, and I don't want to swing the votes. But Blind um, Faith, Chris Mandel, Blind Faith, put your faith in the But I think the, the whole seven. thing is great. I think the whole thing is great. I think it's really great. lovely stuff. Cool. Um, well, right. listen. Uh, if this if this is Christmas Day, what are you doing right now? Are you are you are you with family? Are you with um, are with your fella? What's going on? Where are you? On Me Christmas specifically. Yeah. Uh, Christmas up in Carlisle with the Mandels. Cool. Rob is lovely. down with his family in Croydon. Um, do they do they know about each other? Are you kind of like are you pretending you've got a wife somewhere? Are you both pretending you've got wives somewhere, or is it all is it all open uh, and friendly? I. I pretend I have several wives. In <laughs> yeah, Fine. no, yeah, that our, is our the Carlisle parents, way. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, ours is. We reap what we sow, or whatever the sigil is. Um, <laughs> no, our families are pals. They get on quite well. Yeah, so that's good. Oh, there we go. The mums text each other. Yeah. It's lovely. Um, so, oh. and also the great thing is, you know, because I'm sort of we're recording this just before Christmas. I'm putting mm-hmm. this out there. My Avanti train taking me to Carlisle is did not get cancelled. There was no breakdown. I got there safely, and I'm just uh, manifesting. You're manifesting. That. Yeah. Tell me Good about your you. Christmas Day plans. What What's on the table? Uh, well, I'm, I'm off to New York on Sunday for four days, just to kind of uh, take the younger Easts there. They've never been there. Love that. Uh, love that. So, and I think because of that, because that's like a big thing, um, that. It's, it's it's not going to be quite a big event for Christmas Day. It'll be nice mm-hmm. and quiet, just me, uh, Mr. East, and the four uh, four young wildlings, and Aww. just kind of hanging out. Really, that would be fun. They're just like they're just like hanging out with each other because like our, our eldest has moved out, so it's always like he gets to be he gets to be the prince that was promised, and just kind of like glides back in, and the the other three are just like, oh my god, Oliver's here, and you know. <laughs> He's the Lord of the Light. He kind of Amazing. like just, just he's your heir. Up. He's your heir, right? So he, he is, my, he is. Yeah. yeah, of nothing in particular. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just before we go, um, our Mandela effect um, thing that we were talking about with episode the the one where we thought it began, season two, episode one. No, someone got in touch basically saying yes. What we'd done was got got confused with the one where um, Stannis was sacrificing his brother, or, uh, someone's brothers, his wife's brothers. I think that was it. Oh, that! Oh my God! Yes, that opens season three. Yeah, so we've got that's that to the see. season three opener. He, oh my God, because he thinks ah. yes. Oh my God, I'm so glad. Who got in touch with you to say that? Ah. Oh. Don't ask me. Sorry, Don't I'll not me. ask. Someone... <laughs> That's right, because he feels like he needs to offer some appeasement to the Lord of Light, because he felt like the battle he didn't he didn't do a good enough sacrifice or something. Right? Is that it? Yeah, because in in episode ten of season two, he's kind of very confused, tries to strangle Melisandre, um, because he's just like, what the fuck happened? Um, and she was just kind of like, oh, you didn't do it hard enough, or you didn't kind of like. <laughs> He didn't try hard enough. And he was a bit like, what more, what more do you want? And as we find out in season three, uh, it was burning his brothers-in-law. Oh, my God. And that's why we meet, because we haven't really met his wife yet, have we? Correct. 
correct. I do think she it's a goes bit crazy. She goes in yeah. for she goes in further than he does, doesn't she? Yeah, well, she's the. I thought in in the books at least she's the original. Like, yeah, the Lord of Light, love him, <laughs> and then Stannis is like, what if I just like burn all your brothers? But you know, that's that's such a fucking Targaryen move. Yeah, you know, the Targaryens do it, and they're called like you know savages, and then he does it, and it's like yeah. this was a great move. <laughs> well done. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, it's uh, such right, a good we episode. are rambling like right on. Yeah. Such a good episode. I feel like we're both a bit giddy with Christmas and my broadband being appalling. No, no, exactly. We're going crazy. Uh, listen, uh, this will go out Christmas Day, which means that there won't be an episode out Monday the 21st unless I've got things higgledy-piggledy. That's correct. That is correct. So this will go out Christmas Day. Happy Christmas to everybody. We will be back. We'll be back um, soon. We might have an OA episode to drop as well. Yeah. but. All being well, we'll probably be back on the 9th of January. It's quite a wait. Um, Three weeks. Just quite uh, it's a also wait my away. birthday between then, just in case anyone wants to send oh, any when's your birthday? chocolate. 3rd of January. When's your birthday? 3rd of January. What a tough day to have a birthday. What day is your... When's your birthday? March 27th. I, oh, I, that's a nice time. Enough space, yeah. enough space after Christmas for people to have saved up money. Mm-hmm. It's tough, tough time of year. Jan third, you get all everyone's unwanted presents repackaged, including your own. Including uh, lovely stuff. anyway, buddy. Have a great Christmas and a lovely a uh, New Year's Eve. Uh, thank you to everybody for listening and all the support you've shown us throughout 2022. It's been an absolute, Thanks, not only a joy but a complete surprise as well. <laughs> Take oh, care, everybody. Dracaris. Dracaris. If you'd like to get involved in the podcast, just head over to Twitter at DragonCast underscore pod or email DragonCast at DaftDoris.com and leave us your Easter eggs, predictions and thoughts on the show. You can also watch this episode over on our YouTube channel. Just search for DragonCast Jamie East. Any support, whether it's a follow, a share, a mention to your friend on the bus or a tattoo on your backside is very much appreciated. DragonCast is hosted by me, Jamie East, along with Chris Mandel and is a Daft Doris production. Drakkars. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.